following message is from the North Shore Christian Centre MP3 Audio Lounge. More information about North Shore Christian Centre is available at www.nscc.org.au. If you have your Bibles, would you open up to Matthew chapter 10, verses 32 to 33. I want to talk to you a little bit this morning about what water baptism is all about, about what salvation is all about, about what Jesus is all about. Basically, why we're here. And, uh, and there's this incredible scripture in Matthew 10, verse 32 to 33, that I, I really believe separates the fed income Christians from the nominal Christians. And uh, there's this, right across the world, literally, uh, the statistics tell us that 2.2 billion cri- people call themselves Christians. But not everyone that calls themselves a Christian is in actual fact a Christian by passion. They might be a Christian by name, but not a Christian by passion. And this morning, I, I want to share with you what separates nominal Christians that are Christians by name versus people that are Christians by passion. And this one scripture in Matthew chapter 10, I think, sets the foundation for it. This is what it says in Matthew 10, verse 32. Therefore, whoever confesses me before men, him I will also confess before my Father who is in heaven. But whoever denies me before men, him I will also deny before my Father who is in heaven. Pretty pretty heavy-duty scripture. Uh, pretty heavy-duty in, in what it says. Confess me and I'll confess you. Deny me and I'll deny you. And obviously, this is not written to people that would naturally deny Jesus because they're not Christians. This is actually written to followers and uh, it's emphasizing the importance of confessing, confessing Jesus. And this morning, what's happening, people are getting baptized and their baptism is a confession. It's a confession saying, I have decided to follow Jesus. I think the last time I spoke about baptism, I gave the imagery that baptism is like wearing the wedding ring. And the wedding ring is a symbol. See, whenever, whenever, whenever anyone sees this wedding ring on my finger, how many of you have got wedding rings on your finger? Hold up your hand if you've got wedding rings on your finger. It's a symbol. And what does it symbolize? It symbolizes that you love somebody. So when anybody looks at my wedding ring, it gives them a message, and the message is, I love this beautiful lady sitting at the front. I've loved her for 32 years. We've been married for 31, and I'm unashamed of declaring my love for Anne. And baptism is a symbol of declaring your love for Jesus. And so those that are willing to get baptized are willing to confess and say, I, I've got no issues with showing the world that I'm marked, showing the world that I have a relationship with Jesus. That's another message. This morning, I also want to give you the imagery that baptism is like drawing a line in the sand. And how many of you know the the imagery of drawing a line in the sand? It's like, I've drawn the line in the sand and I've crossed over and I'm not going back. I've crossed over and that's it. As far as I'm concerned, that line is drawn in the sand and there's no going back. The line in the sand. What 
This scripture that I'm talking about in Matthew chapter 10 declares that it's not good enough just to be a good person. So you won't get Jesus confessing you in heaven if you're just a good person. And the thing with Australians is that I don't think I've met too many Australians that don't consider themselves to be good people. But good is not good enough to get to heaven. Good is not good. Why is that? Because the judgment of God upon our life is not based on how much good we've done. The judgment of God upon our life is based by what we've done that's wrong. And, and so, so the, the fact is that, that uh, the law of the land doesn't take into consideration. You don't go to court because of the good that you've done. You go to court because of the bad that you've done. You stand before a judge, not because there's a whole bunch of good things. It's because there's one bad thing that you've done. And you have to give an account for the one bad thing that you've done, the, the, the breaking of the law. And is there anyone here that can honestly say, John, I've never done anything that's wrong. I, my whole life, everything that I've said is right. I've never told a lie. I've never taken anything that doesn't belong to me. I've never been nasty to anybody. I've always been perfect. Can anybody say that? It's gotten awfully quiet here. Can anybody on the front row say that? Helen, you can't say that. I, I reckon if there's, if there's one good person in this room, have to, be, have to be Mother Helen on the front row there. But not even Mother Helen can say that. And so the point that I'm making is this, that we all need forgiveness. And that's the power of the gospel. The power of the gospel is that Jesus came to offer us forgiveness. How awesome is that? Is there anyone in this room that doesn't need forgiveness? Is there anyone in this room that needs forgiveness? Give me a wave if you need forgiveness. That's the power of the gospel. So, so what this scripture is saying is this, and it's not good enough to be good enough. It's not even good enough to believe. What? Listen, a lot of people believe. Bible tells us even the devil believes. So, so if you believe, well, don't think that you're fantastic. <laughs> you're saying, what? Are, are you offending me because I believe? I'm saying that belief is not good enough. The Bible does not give us too many brownie points just for believing. Well, what about not only am I good, I believe, but I also go to church. Well, this scripture doesn't even say that that gets you across the line. Well, what is this scripture saying gets you across the line? This scripture says that gets, what gets you across the line is your willingness to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Your willingness to confess before people. We're not talking about being a secret Christian. We're not talking about having a secret admiration, standing afar off and secretly admiring. What we're talking about is this open willingness to confess Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. That is just a powerful thing. And today, what we've got is six people saying, I'm willing to confess Jesus Christ as my Lord and Savior. Second thing I want to say about baptism is that it's a confession of faith in Christ. In Matthew 28, 19 to 20, 
the Great Commission, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all things that I've commanded you. And lo, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus made baptism a prime requisite in conversion. It's believe and be baptized. Believe and be baptized. Baptizing people in the name of the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And, and, so, and so what happens is this, is that today what these people are doing is to say, listen, I've, I've made this confession of following Jesus, but now I want to make the declaration public. I've done it where, I, I don't know where they've all done it. Some have done it here at the altar. Some have done it through Alpha. Some have done it wherever. But today, in front of this whole church, they're saying, I'm not embarrassed to declare my confidence in Jesus. And I'm drawing this line in the sand. And I'm moving forward. And what a beautiful thing it is when they go into the waters of baptism as this public declaration that I'm not going back. I've made this decision and I'm going forward with Jesus every single day of my life. Can, can I just speak a second about this? Because we've got, we've got some people getting baptized today that were baptized as little infants. And you say, well, what, what's to go with that? Why are they getting baptized twice? And I said to the parents, you know what? That was a wonderful thing that you did for your girls. It's a wonderful thing to raise them up in the church. But when they were babies, it was your decision. And so in some churches, they baptize infants. In this church, we dedicate the children. But it's a parent's decision. And the parent's decision is, we're going to do everything possible to raise this child in the things of God. But when a child gets to a point of accountability, a point of decision, and they say, hey, I really respect what my parents did, but now I want this to be my personal decision to follow Jesus. That's just an absolutely awesome thing. I respect what my parents have done, but now I want to make the decision myself. This is not their decision. Now this is my decision. I want to make a public declaration that I'm a follower of Jesus. Are you all set? We have the Chris and Carissa baptismal team. How awesome is that? There's Carissa there. They're going to be baptizing. Um, give me a, another 10 minutes. But you guys can all stand there and come out from behind the curtain and stand there publicly while I finish this. Let, let me tell you the third thing is why believer baptism is so powerful. Let me tell you why it's so powerful. First of all, it's because it's a public confession of faith in Christ. Not a private, but a public confession. And so what's happening today is this, is that these beautiful people are standing here unashamed and saying, I'm, I, I'm making a public confession of Christ, first of all, in heaven before God. So God's in this place today. And how wonderful it is to make a public declaration of your faith before God. But not only before God, now it's before family and friends. Can you see family and friends out here? How many? What, wave to your family and friends. There you go. That's lovely, waving to family and friends. But you know what else it is? It's also a public declaration to Satan to say, I'm no longer in your kingdom, I'm in God's kingdom. I've drawn that line in the sand. I've crossed over. 
I'm no longer in your domain. I'm in God's domain. I'm a child of the King. I'm a child of the King. It's a powerful thing to make that public confession of faith. Secondly, it's an identification with Jesus. So this morning, what's going to happen? Emma, Beth, when you go down into the water, and we are going to literally bury you into the water. And you say, why bury us in the water? Because you're actually identifying with the fact that Jesus died for you and was buried. And so when you go into the water, you're saying, if Jesus did it for me, I want to identify with that. Identifying this identification with the death and burial of Jesus. Now, the good news is that we don't leave you buried for three days. That's the good news. We just leave you buried for three hours. No, 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 I'm not kidding. I'm not kidding. Just down and up. And then when you come up out of the water, you're literally identifying with the resurrection of Jesus. See, Jesus died, but he rose from the dead. Jesus died for our sins, but on the third day, he rose from the dead, proving that everything that he said was true. What a wonderful thing it is to identify with the resurrection of Jesus. Our God is not dead, but he is alive. That's what differentiates us from all the other world religions. They've got some grave where they go and worship where where, where, where whoever it was got it all started. My friends, we've got an empty grave. Anne and I have been to Jerusalem, and what a joy it was to see on the door of the tombstone where it says, He is not here. He is risen. <laughs> that's, that's, that's the joy of the Christian faith, that we serve a risen Lord. And can I tell you what else baptism is? Not only is it as a powerful confession of faith in Jesus Christ, not only is it an identification with Jesus in his death and resurrection, but it's a symbol of new life in Christ. Friends, when you, when, when you come up out of that water, you're literally saying, once I was lost, but now I am found. Isn't that beautiful, Angelique? Once you were lost, but now you were found. Once I was a sinner, but now I'm saved. I've drawn that line in the sand. I've crossed over. On the other side of the line was death and loss and sin. But on this side of the line is I'm found. I'm saved. I'm set free. I'm on Jesus' side. Once I was in darkness, but now I'm in the light. Once I was dead spiritually. And my God, I'm praying for people. Oh God, those that are dead spiritually, would you awaken them? Would you awaken them? And right across Australia today, I'm praying for an awakening of those that are spiritually dead, that they might come into the consciousness that Jesus loves them. Come into the consciousness that there's a God in heaven and he sent his son to pay the penalty for our sins upon the cross, for that spiritual awakening to take place. So you can worship like we worship. What a wonderful thing it is to be spiritually awakened. Once I was in bondage to Satan, but now I have freedom in Christ. Once I was broken, but now I'm a new creation. Once I had no hope and no future, but now I have a hope and a future. 
Thanks for listening to this message from the North Shore Christian Centre Audio Lounge. We invite you to visit us online at www.nscc.org.au. Through our website, you can keep up to date with what's happening in the life of our church in Chatswood, New South Wales, as well as accessing other free resource materials. 